Um, what we're going to be talking about today is Yitro, okay, and the Torah of all of humanity. Okay, one of the things that we've lost in the last 2,000 years of exile is the idea and the understanding that the Torah actually has within it, in essence, two sets of laws. Two sets of laws. Set of laws one is the, for the Jewish people, right? And we have 613 commandments. And set of laws two is for the entirety of humanity. And they are what are called the seven Noahide laws, Sheva Mitzvot B'nai Noach. Now, why is this so important today? It's important because for 2,000 years of exile, we had this kind of, we were living under the control of other nations without power, without political power, without independence. There was really only two ways that we would look at, at people. Either you're a Jew and you're with us, or you're a Gentile and you're against us, more or less, or on the other side. But if we look back historically, if we look back historically, we see there was a whole wide spectrum of human categories in the Torah, even within the Jewish people themselves. We have a Kohen, who has different laws than a Levi, a Levite, who has different laws than a Israel, right, the Israel, who has different laws than even a Ger Tzedek, who has different laws than a Ger Toshav, and then different nations of the world also had different, we, had, we have different laws in relations to the different nations of the world, the Moabites, the Edomites, the Egyptians, all of these are mentioned, these are mitzvot that we have about how to relate to all of these different peoples. And there's a long way to go until you reach what is called Amalek, right? The Gentile who you have to, who we're at war with, eternal war with, right? So there's all these, this whole spectrum. There's a whole spectrum, and um, I think uh, what we're going to do is we're going to talk about it a little bit uh, within this Torah portion and try to get to the heart. We're going to try to get to the heart of what the whole idea of uh, the giving of the Torah is and why it is now that we can ask the question that the revelation at Har Sinai is in which Torah portion? Yitro. And who is Yitro? Yitro, Jethro, is the father-in-law of Moshe, Rabenu. And what is he? He's a Kohen. A Kohen of who? Of all the nations. Of all the nations. What nation was he from, or did he at least reside among? The Midianites. The Midianites. And one of the things we're going to see in the commentary, that it's so important that there's, if you open up at the beginning of this Torah portion, what do we see? Is that Ito, there's an argument about whether he came before the giving of the Torah or after the giving of the Torah. Right? And if we follow most of the commentaries, we see that he actually came after the giving of the Torah. And if that's the case then why is it so important for the Torah to teach us that he, he look, make it look like he came before? Like this is the place where we say, in Why is the Torah actually want us to know that we cannot receive the Torah without what? Without the representative of whom? Of all the nations of the world. Okay? The Torah itself has a message for all the nations of the world. Um, actually, let's start. If you guys have Sefer Shemot. Do you guys have Sefer Shemot? Some of you? No? So I'll have to read out, I'll have to uh, see if I can uh, go to, I'm going to go to chapter Yud Tet, and verse 5, hey, okay, and I want to ask you guys a question, 
The people of Israel sitting in Egypt. Right? And what are they waiting for? They have a promise from their fathers, right? From their fathers that one day what's going to happen? You're going to get out of Egypt and do what? And go to the land that was promised to your fathers, right? The Brit. What is the Brit? The covenant was the promise between Hashem and whom? And I'm sorry? Yeah, Ben Abtarim, and also the Brit Milan is memory of the Brit between Abraham, Yitzhak, and Yaakov, and Hashem. What is the promise of the Brit? What's going to happen? Okay, we'll be a large nation. That's part of it. And what else? Okay, we'll go into slavery for, for 400 years. And what else? And then you're going to come out and do what? And get, go to where? And what, what are you going to get? What is going to happen when you get out of Egypt? No, guys, come on. What is going to happen when you get out of Egypt? Put yourselves in the mind space of an Israelite in Egypt in slavery. And you're waiting for salvation. You're waiting for redemption. You're waiting to get out of here. And what is the promise? What's going to be waiting for you on the other end? What are you going to get? Eretz Israel, the land of Israel, right? Mm-hmm. And in fact, even Yosef HaTzadik, Joseph, when he, before he passes away, he, gives a, he says, one day Hashem is going to remember you and take you up out of here and bring you back to the land of Israel, to the land of Canaan, to the land of Israel, and you are going to get, uh, 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 and you will bring my bones up there with you. In other words, what is the, what is the salvation, as it were, that the Jewish people are waiting for? What kind of salvation is this? Would you call it a religious salvation or a national salvation? National. A national salvation. In other words, the land of Israel is what you're going to get. You understand what I'm saying? Yeah. What about the Torah? There's n- is there any mention that you're going to come out of Egypt and get the Torah? No. To the Jewish people themselves. Right? Hashem tells Moshe, that's what's going to happen. But I want you guys to understand that what the people of Israel were waiting for was a national redemption. Was a national redemption. Right? Now let's look at the verses and you guys are going to see this. It's, it's kind of crazy because uh, like people don't notice it at first. But I'm going to read. I guess uh, you guys don't have it in front of you. But it would have been better had you. So anyway, the people of Israel come, get out of Egypt, cross the Red Sea, miracles... And they're sitting there at the base of Mount Sinai, right? And uh, what happens now? It's the third month. And they come and they land at, the, uh, at Mount Sinai. And Moshe, Moshe Allah, El Elohim, and Moshe goes up to God, to Hashem. V'ikala v'ashem inahar lemob t'rotomar leved Yaakov v'tagid l'vnei Israel. And Hashem says, look, I want you guys to understand. This is what he, Hashem says to Moshe, this is what I want you to tell the people of Israel, the children of Israel. You saw all the miracles and how I took you out of Egypt and I, put, I took you on the wings of eagles and I took you uh, up to me. Now, this is the catch. Now, all of a sudden, what happens? Now tell the people of Israel that if you listen to my voice and you keep my covenant, you will be 
a treasured people for me from among all the nations, because all of the earth is mine. Okay? In other words, what is this? A universal mission. The whole world is mine, and now you have a special mission within this world. And you will be for me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. These are the things I want you to tell the children of Israel. Okay? And Moshe goes down the mountain. And now think about it. You just got out of Egypt. What are you trying to do? You're waiting for your national salvation. Okay, there's God, the Shem, who took us out and he promised us he's going to take us back. And now all of a sudden, Moshe comes down to the people and he says to you, guys, I have news for you. Uh, we're going to hold off. We're not going right to the land of Israel. Okay, what I have for you is a mission that you guys are going to be a nation of priests and a holy nation. And what would your reaction be if that was the, the case? Oh, Allah. What would your reaction be? Yeah, we had something else in mind. Yeah. What is this? What is this? Now, all of a sudden, you're coming to us, and what are you doing? You're giving us like a religion, a universal mission. That's not what we, what we signed up for. Show me where in the verses before this, this is what we signed up for. And if you were the people of Israel, and you heard Moshe come and say this to you, say, wait a second, that's not what I heard. I, I never heard about this universal, this universal mission before. We were coming out of here because our God, the God of our fathers, said that we were, he was going to judge the gods of Egypt and take us up into the land of Canaan and give us you know, freedom in that land. What is this religious philosophy that you, Moshe, are bringing before us? So, I'm in verse 7. Zion, ve'avo Moshe, ve'ikra lezikne ha'am. And so Moshe came and he called out all of the elders of the people. And he put before them all these things that Hashem had just told them. In other words, what are these things? That I'm going to make you into a a nation of priests, a holy nation. And now what is the people's reaction? Read together with me in verse 8. And all the people answered together. Now, how do people normally read this? And they said, How do we understand that verse? What? We'll do everything that Hashem said. Right? An affirmation. That's great. That's a good idea. What's the proof that that's not how you uh, the correct way to read it? I think perhaps we could read it like this. And all the people answered together and they said, Moshe, that's very nice. You have your religious philosophy over there. But we're only going to listen to Hashem. We want to hear it from Him, not from you. It's a test. Because that's not what we were expecting. And how, is this, how do I know that this is the proof that this is what's said here? And Moshe went back to Hashem and said, Hashem, listen, I went to your people. We took them out of Egypt. I told them, this is what you said, that we have a universal mission 
because likola aretz, because the whole world is mine, and we have something that we have to do for the whole all of humanity. And what did they answer? They said, "We aren't really going to listen to you. We want to listen to. We want to hear it from the source." And then the answer in verse nine in verse ten. And then what's the answer? How do I know that this is the correct reading? Probably. Because then Hashem says to Moshe, here, okay. What we're going to have to do is this. This is the plan. I'm going to come to you in a thick cloud so that the whole people will hear me speaking with you and then they'll believe in you forever. That's the answer to the challenge of the people of Israel. You guys following me? Mm-hmm. Yep. Okay, interesting, no? Yep. Interesting. Yep. So in other words, by the way, the Kuzari, Rabbi Yudha Levi, brings this, these, these oh. verses as um, like the, the people of Israel were skeptical of Moshe, and this is like the test, and they weren't even going to believe what Moshe said unless there was some kind of proof. And really, then we have the act of revelation after this, as it were, like that, uh, 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 that there's a, a uh, Hashem actually is speaking, right? And we have the Ten Commandments coming right now. Okay? Um, so now, I want to get. Uh, I want to. I want to understand what this idea of mamlechet koanim is. Mamlechet koanim v'goy kadosh. What is mamlechet koanim? A kingdom of priests. Okay, so we can understand the idea about what we're talking about. Mamlechet koanim. A kohen, like in the Jewish people, right, has specific laws that are different from the rest of the people of Israel. Correct? And what is the purpose of that? So that he could elevate the people of Israel from his separate position. doesn't mean he's better than the other Jews. It just means he has a specific mission that's different from the mission of the, other, uh, 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 the, the, of the rest of the Jewish people. And so, in essence, what is Mamlechet Kuanim? It's a nation that has a separate mission, separate from the the, the, the rest of humanity to be a Kohen. But you cannot be a Kohen unless you have what? People that you're serving. The Kohen, like the Kohen and the people of Israel is serving the people of Israel. And the Kohen, if, if Am Yisrael is like a Kohen, then what's the job of Am Yisrael? Is to serve the nations. So what is it that has to be brought to the nations of the world? What is it that has to be what is this mission? What is it all about? Okay, um, we might get a little confused here, but I'm going to bring some things from the midrash. Uh, let's uh, go like this. There's a, there's a, actually three spheres of relationships in this world. Okay, there's three f- spheres of relationships in this world. There's a relationship between a man and Hashem. Ben Adam makom. We call that Ben Adam Lemakom. Right? Between man and Hashem. And there are certain mitzvot that have to do about between a man and, the, and Hashem. Then there's mitzvot that have to do between a man and his fellow man. Right? Ben Adam Lechavero. And that's a whole another sphere of relationship. And then we have a third sphere which is called Ben Adam Le'atzmo. What is that? Between a man and himself. In other words, like a person to work on his character traits. So the perfect, perfection actually entails the harmonization of all of these three spheres. Right? That is actually 
what you could call, I guess, the correct spiritual life is the harmony between these three spirits, between Ben Adam Makom, Ben Adam Lechaverov, and Ben Adam Le'atzmo. Now, the Midrash talks about the fact that there were three uh, people, three figures at the time of Moshe, that, were, could have, that the Torah could have been revealed through them. Who are those three figures? This is the Midrash, okay? It's in the Gemara. In the time of Moshe? Yeah, in the time of Moshe. One of them was Eov, right? Job. One of them was Bil'am, right? And one of them was Yitro, Jethro. Very strange Midrash. It also talks about the idea that those three were the counselors to Pharaoh, right? So... Let's look at these characters for a moment. Each one of these characters actually personifies one of these three spheres that I spoke about. Right? Bilam. What's Bilam known, about, known for? Dea Da'at Elyon. Right? Da'at Elyon. Right? In other words, between man and Shem. He was, very, he was a great Navi. He was a great prophet. Right? A great prophet. Of the nations. Bil'am personifies between a man and Hashem. Fine. Iov, Job, what does he personify? With all the suffering, personal suffering. Ben Adam Latzmo, man and himself. Right? And Yitro, who comes and teaches Moshe Rabbeinu how he should set up court systems of courts of justice if people will injure each other and so forth, how to judge them, what does he personify? Ben Adam Lechavero. So the depth of the Midrash, really, and this is what I wanted to understand, is that the revelation of the Torah, the Torah is speaking about in these three planes. But it cannot be that the Torah would be revealed through any one of these characters individually. Because each one of these spheres alone is creates a distorted picture. So, for example, if someone, all he cares about is doing what he's thinking about God all the time, all the time, and he doesn't care about his fellow man, he steps over other people, right? That's no good. He might be the most spiritual guy in the world, but he's not helping his, his fellow people. He could be a monk sitting in the, in the desert, you know, meditating all day long. Or someone who only cares about Perfecting his own character traits. Right? He becomes a perfect in all the character traits, but he still doesn't uh, do the duties that are bestowed upon him by society or by, by, uh, by Hashem. Okay? That's also not perfect. Or if someone, all he cares about is like humanism. Oh, I, I want to help people. That, that's, that's good. That's great. Help people. But if your character traits are distorted when you're going to help people, that's what they say, that's a problem of uh, the, the chesed that you do, the, the, the good deeds that you do, might come from bad motivations, because you haven't corrected your, your personal character traits. So the midrash, there's another midrash that talks about the fact that Moshe Rabbeinu in Baba Batra, that's why Moshe, Moshe Rabbeinu wrote three things. He wrote his own book, Khatav Sifro, and he wrote Parashat Bil'am, and he wrote the book of Job. Now, what does this mean? Like, it's, it's really hard to understand this Midrash. It doesn't make sense. But I wanted you guys to understand that when we're talking about Midrashim, there's a, a, there's a deeper hidden meaning sitting inside of it. And I want to kind of pull it out. What does that mean? Moshe Rabbeinu wrote the whole 
Chumash, right? The whole Torah. How can the Gemara talk about that Moshe Rabbeinu only wrote this specific part and this specific part and this specific part? He wrote his book and the book of, and the, the part about Bilam and the part about and the book of Job. Doesn't make sense, right? Because if you wrote, if and what is his book? What is Moshe Rabbeinu's book in the, according to this? If Moshe Rabbeinu's book is the entire Torah, then obviously the part about Bilam should be in there as well. Correct? Doesn't make sense. So um, I heard an explanation that. His book is, in fact, the part where it says, V'yi ben Tzor Moshe. What we say when we pick up the Torah, and if you look, it's written in brackets in the Torah. That verse is written in brackets. When? Right after Hashem says to Jethro, Yitro, I want you to come along with us. And Yitro says no. In other words, that is Moshe's book. And the portion of Bil'am, obviously, we know, and the portion of Job. Hello, hello. So what is the Midrash saying? And this is what I want us to understand. What was special about Moshe and what's special about the Torah is that Moshe had the capability of writing all three, having all three aspects. Ben Adam l'makom, Ben Adam l'chavero, Ben Adam l'atzmo. Okay? So now I want us to look at um, uh, the Ten Commandments really quickly. I want to show you guys something here. It comes a little bit afterwards. Uh, chapter Kaf, right? Okay, we have the Ten Commandments. Now, what I want to show you guys is that, in fact, the Ten Commandments, if we're talking about those three aspects. By the way, there's, a, there's really a cardinal sin of each one of these three aspects, right? A cardinal sin of each one of these three aspects of between a man and, and Hashem, a man and his fellow, and a man and, and, and uh, himself. Cardinal sin to What's that? What is cardinal sin? But, what I mean is that there's three avirot that are the worst avirot that we could do, the worst possible things. Oh, the archetype. What are they? Murder, Number one? Murder, illicit relations, and idol, idol worship. What are they? What is idol worship? It's the worst thing that you could do between a man and Hashem. Idol worship, right? And according to Jewish law, a man, you have to accept death rather than do such a thing. Right? And illicit sexual relations. Right? What is that? Or well, let's go for, first with murder. Spilling of blood. Shfichut damim. Right? What is shfichut damim? That's the worst possible thing a person could do between a man and another man. Right? Adam v'chavirot. And then what is illicit sexual relations? Well, I'm not hurting anyone, right? I mean, the one, it was conse- oh, there was consensual relations. Who am I hurting? You yourself. And so those, this is the art of I want you guys to understand the structure of the Torah. You understand what I'm saying? So now if we look at the Ten Commandments, what we're going to see is that there's actually three groups of three. Let's look at them real quick. The first group of three are all commandments that have to do in what, with what sphere? Between man and Hashem. Okay, we're, I'm going to skip the first one, but let's go to the second one. You shall have no other gods before me. Okay? The second one is, the next one is, that you shall not build any statues. And the third one is, uh, uh, is uh, where is it? Shabbat. 
So actually, now I want you guys to watch this. The first set is between man and Hashem. But within the three of a man and Hashem, there's one that, that is closer to Adam v'chavero, like Shabbat. Shabbat is a mitzvah between a man and his fellow. Like it says here, Zachot yom ha-shabbat l'kadsho, sheshti min tavol v'asiti kol melechtech avi yom ha-shvi shabbat l'adonai l'vechalot ha-asei kol melechata uvincha uvitecha. You shall not do any work, or your son, or your daughter, or your slave, or your maidservant, or, your, or the stranger in your gates. This is a mitzvah between man and Hashem that has the coloring of between man and his, and his fellow. Right? Okay? That's between a man and Hashem, but it has to do with a person's personal being. Right? And is between a man and Hashem and a man and Hashem. Okay? You guys following me? Set number two, honoring your mother and father, no murdering, and no adultery. What are these? Between man and man. You see? Between a man and a But each one of them has a coloring of one of these three aspects. Respecting your parents, right? Your parents, it said, we say that there are three who create every man, your mother, your father, and Hashem. Right? And the way you respect your parents is the way you respect Hashem as well. Uh, don't murder, right? What is that? Between a man and man and a man and man. And no adultery is between man and man, but it's between man and himself. And then the last three, we'll just go kind of quickly, is between a man and himself. Listen, lotignov, don't steal. What is don't steal? Who's going to see me in the middle of the night when I come and I come into your house and I take out some money of, out of your, 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 uh, your dresser? Right? So that's between a man and himself. He's the one who's ruining his own self. But it's between a man and himself and a man and his friend. Giving false testimony. is You're ruining yourself. You've distorted yourself. You've ruined yourself. But you ruined yourself in relation to your friend. And lotachmod, not to be jealous, right? Don't desire the things of your, fra- of your fellow. It's between you and yourself. It's something that you feel. But between you and yourself and you and your friend. But now I want to get to the point. Yes? Uh, does it mean the, the, last, the last command and do not, do not desire? Does it mean that he... Uh, Let's say you see somebody wife, yeah, and you say, "Wow, she's so beautiful. I wish, I wish uh, she would be my wife." Is that already a violation? Yeah. So it's uh, the the actual violation is if you act on if you act on the on the, your desire, like you want your friend's uh, land, and then you uh, do some kind of action in order to to acquire. Acquire it. That's when you actually are. That's according to the law. However, obviously, there's some kind of coloring and something that's related to violation of it here. Okay. Yes. There was another question. Yeah. Yeah. Is it not automatically if it's between a man and another man, also against himself and against Hashem? Ah, excellent question. So what I wanted to say is this: we have. It says, um, 
מצוות השם ברד, צדקו יחדיו. That all the mitzvot really, now this is what I want us to understand, they're all one organic whole. It's like a body. And in fact, in the Torah Tassod, in the secrets of the Torah, they, all the commandments are considered like one gigantic body. And so every single mitzvah has a connection to all of the other mitzvot. Like, it's like if I'm holding your hand, am I holding you? I'm holding all of you. If I hold your ear, am I holding you? I'm holding all of you. And, but, and now what's the problem is that if we keep some of the mitzvot, but we don't keep other ones of the mitzvot, we're actually distorting even the ones that we're keeping. You understand what I'm saying? So you're absolutely right. I, what I wanted to show you guys in this is that all of this is one organic whole. Of these three aspects, and a play on these three aspects, but now we get to the big, uh, the big point. The, the big point was that we were forgetting one of the mitzvot. We did three groups of three, that's nine, right, of the Ten Commandments, but which one were we leaving out? So this is connected to, I think, um, we can talk about why, um, why Yitro came. Okay? Why Yitro came. Jethro came. So why did he come? The Midrash talks about three different reasons why he came. Okay? One reason why is because he heard about something. Vishma Yitro. And he heard something. What is it that he heard? Vishma Yitro. According to the Midrash, one of the Midrashim is, he heard, he heard, well before that, he's heard about the Exodus from, from Egypt. In other words, what did he hear about? When he heard about the national redemption of the Jewish people. Right? And this echoes in the hearts of the nations of the world. Every one of these Midrashim talks about this echoing in the hearts of the nations of the world. It's an echo. Like There's some people who are influenced and, and feel shaken by the Jewish people coming out and, and, and coming, back to, coming out and coming to the land of Israel. Like a national redemption. And another one of the Midrash team says, no, what he heard was Matan Torah. What did he hear? What's that? The spiritual message. The giving of the Torah. The spiritual message. In other words, for religious reasons. Like there was something that shook his soul in the religious message that was coming out of the Torah. And it brought him to come, to come close to the people of Israel. And what is the third thing that, that is said in the Midrash? That what did he hear? Vaishma Yitron happens right after what? Nechemet Amalek. The war against Amalek. What is the war against Amalek? <coughs> We're coming up to Purim, right? What is Amalek? Amalek in Gematria is doubt. What does Amalek do? He comes and he tries to attack the weak stragglers at the back of the camp of Israel. And what does he do? How does he work in our, in our lives? Just like this, I want you guys to remember. All of these things that we're talking about are also happening within us, happening within our society, happening in the greater plane, happening among the nations of the world. Everything. What is this, this doubt that really... What? That there is nothing outside of this world and there is no meaning in this world. Amalek is like a clown, right? That's why we talk about it on, 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 on Purim. It's like a clown. There's no meaning. It's all meaningless. It's all closed. This world is closed. There's nothing outside of this world talking to us. There's no hope. It's just this meaningless. The cosmos just sneezed and we came out, right? That's Amalek. 
And when Yitro came and he heard, he said, wait a second, now Am Yisrael is able to defeat that power. And that's why he came. So that brings us to the first commandment. What is that? What is that commandment saying? That I am Hashem who has brought you out of Egypt. In other words, this world is not meaningless. There is... God is not a what. He is a who. A personality who is interacting with this world. Not that we, God forbid, should define him, but a who who willed this world into being. This world is not random. It's not a collection of natural laws. There is a collection of natural laws here, but there's someone who created this world. There's someone who, who acts within this world. There's someone who there gives divine providence in our lives and gives meaning to this world. And he talks to us. And I took you, I'm the one who took you out of Egypt. And that, if we look at what Yitro says, actually, when he comes to join the people of Israel, when he comes to join the people of Israel, he says... That Jethro says, Yitro says, Blessed is Hashem who has saved you from the hands of Egypt, umiyad paro, and from the hand of Pharaoh, and has saved you from the hands of, of Egypt. And Jethro says, Now I know what that the name Hashem, Yud, and Ahay, and Avav, and Ahay, is greater than all of what? Elohim. There's a verse in Tehillim that says, Shemesh Umagen, Hashem Elohim. Shemesh, a sun, Umagen, and a shield is Hashem and the name Elohim. In other words, what is the word Elohim? Elohim, Elohim. The totality of all, uh, all the forces of nature. And that's why it's in the plural. And that's why, that's why the gods of all of the nations are also called Elohim. Not in the holy name, but in the... In, the, the, in other words, there is powers, forces of this world, forces of nature, forces that, are, that exist in this world. But they're blind forces. And Jethro was the, the priest of all these forces. He worshipped all of these different forces. That's what the Midrash says, that he used to sacrifice to all the different gods. And the lesson that Yitro learned was that it's the same thing as this verse, Shem Shum again, Hashem Elohim. The forces of nature, okay, the forces of nature are like a shield to protect us from the rays of, of the sun. Nature, when I look at the world, I don't, see, I don't see a creator. I see the powers of nature that, as they be, right? I don't know that there's anything that, that's behind them. Shemeshum again, just like, but if I were to look at the sun, I would be blinded. But if I put a screen in front of the sun, all of a sudden I can look at the sun. And that's what the act of creation was. The act of creation, Briah, is the act of Hashem hiding himself within his world, hiding behind, dressing up, like for Purim, hiding and, hiding and dressing himself up behind 
nature of food. That's actually what the six days of creation are. And the seventh day, he rested. What is he rested? He was hiding behind all of these acts of creation that had been created. The laws of nature were now in place. Okay? And then the question that remains, and Jethro didn't, was waiting for it to hear, is that is there someone who's standing behind it, who's the, who willed creation into being? And that is the name Hashem. That is the name Hashem. And that is why Jethro now says, Hashem mikol that Hashem stands behind all of these forces that's all, that are all around us. And that is the first commandment uh, of the Ten Commandments. What I want to end with is this idea that, um, that we, I started by saying that the, there's a universal mission to the Jewish people. Okay? And in that universal mission, there are 613 commandments to the Jewish people as like koanim. And there's seven commandments as a minimum to the rest of the nations of the world. And then each nation develops according to its own being. Uh, those seven laws are, six of them are negative, and one of them is positive, right? The six negative ones and one positive one. One positive one is to have courts of justice. Um, and if we look at them, we will see that they're built exactly according to the model I just told you of the three, of the three categories. Ben Adam Makom, Ben Adam Ben Adam but one of the other requirements that people sometimes forget, and this is very important, and what this will, will finish is that the, what the Rambam says about a Ben Noach, what the Rambam says about a Ben Noach, he says this, he says, Any, anyone can come to the conclusion of the seven laws of Noah. They're natural, universal, humanist laws. And he says, anyone who comes to these conclusions on his own, is not considered chassidim wata olam, he's not considered the pious of the nations, but he's a wise person. But he's not into the category of, of chassidim wata olam. Because what's missing, and this is the most important thing, what's missing is that one aspect that Yitro said here. What is that? In other words, that this world is not a closed circuit. It's not a meaningless circuit where I determine what is morally just. There's speech that's breaking into this world, and that speech is the Torah. And that's why what this will, we really will finish is the Rambam. The Rambam said that there's 13 principles of faith, correct? The Rambam said there are 13 principles of faith. The Rabbi Chistai Kreskas actually limited it down to six. He took out some out, put them together, cut and cut and and, and pasted. Got six. Uh, Rabbi Yosef Elbo, who was his student, he said, "No, there's not six. There's only three principles of faith. What are those three principles of faith? One, to believe in the reality of God, right? Number two, to believe in Torah Mishamayim that the Torah came from heaven, and number three, to believe in reward and punishment. And then after that." Someone came and said, no, wait a second. There's only one. Which of those three is it? Reality of Hashem. Toah Mishamayim. Toah from heaven. Or reward and punishment. Reality of Hashem. Reality of Hashem. What's that? Very good. So my Rav said once, I remember saying, after Rav Cook, they said, I don't know if God exists or not. But what I do know is that he speaks. That's Torah Mishamayim, the idea that 
there's will behind this world, there's meaning behind this world, that's breaking into this world. And that's the idea of Torah Mishamayim. And that is the foundation of all. That is the foundation of all. And from that, we branch out into all of these different uh, uh, Ten Commandments, Seven Mitzvot B'nai Noach, or 613 Commandments of the, of the Jewish people, which you can all see through that prism. And that is the universal message that's coming out slowly in this generation, like in the inspiration of, of Yitro, and the reality of where we are today, where the Jewish people are today, where we have to start to talk about not only Jew or Gentile, but we have to start talking about all the different levels in between, and this is the prism that we have to be looking for. Tof